your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are wicked. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In today's episode, I sit down with Mike Whitfield. Mike's story is one of inspiration, struggle, and triumph of the human spirit. He used to weigh over 300 pounds and wear size 46-inch pants. After growing frustrated with all of the diet and exercise misinformation and industry dogma out there that just wasn't working, he finally ended up losing over 100 pounds and achieving peak athletic performance by creating his own metabolic stacking system that he refers to as workout finishers. Mike discusses the changes in mindset that had to take place in order for him to lose over 100 pounds, how you can incorporate metabolic stacking and workout finishers into your workouts to get more results in less time. This is different than Tabata training. It's different than high-intensity interval training, and you'll see that in this episode. We also discuss some of Mike's favorite methodologies for breaking through workout plateaus, favorite finishing exercises, how you can do these things at home with no workout equipment and how they take only a few minutes to complete. Mike has been featured in Men's Health and on PBS and Yahoo, just to name a few. He's a certified turbulence trainer and badass currently working on his new remarkably successful project, The Achievable Body. In today's episode, we'll dive into strategic cheating, how to get an edge over the competition, some indispensable workouts that should be included in everyone's weekly routine, and why they call him Mikey Pancakes Whitfield. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Mike Whitfield. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. I'm here with Mikey Pancakes Whitfield, and he's an expert in strategic cheating and habits, biohacking habits for optimal health and performance. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Let's start off with uh, filling us all in on why people call you Mikey Pancakes Whitfield. Yeah, it's funny. It started off as a joke, but uh, what happened was is I put a guest post on Craig Ballantyne's site on his blog. And, uh, and of course, it got a lot of good feedback. And then uh, he proceeded to send out a newsletter about how he actually liked pancakes more than me. And I actually took that offensively because there's nobody on earth, I think, doesn't like pancakes as much as I do. I've loved them ever since I was a kid. And so I, I challenged him on it. And, uh, and ever since then, Craig actually nicknamed me Mikey Pancakes, and it's just it's stuck ever since. And, of course, I, I've known to, to eat pancakes, pancakes, you know, no less than twice or once every two weeks. And people might say, ah, oh, once every two weeks, that's, that's really not really that many. But you haven't seen the stack that I eat every two weeks. It's, we're talking like 10 pancakes smothered in syrup. It's enough for like four or five cheats. So I, I personally, you know, I purposely wait until I can have a nice big stack. But that's, that's why I'm known as Mikey Pancakes is for my love of pancakes. Very cool. I've seen, I've seen a couple uh, cheat day posts from The Rock where he's got these massive stacks of pancakes. I'm picturing something <laughs> like that. Now, are you talking about paleo pancakes? Before, 
before we get into how you kind of made uh, a significant transformation in your own life and health, uh, are we talking about paleo pancakes? Are we talking about traditional pancakes? What are we dealing with here? Yeah, we're, we're talking the old school traditional pancakes, glorious gluten, man. I go all out. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure myself and a bunch of the listeners are going to want to know your secret for being able to pull that off uh, because I, I love pancakes as well. Uh, but you were so I'm looking at you right now. You're in amazing shape. Um, you're you're cranking out brand new products, and you've got a book that's going to be released soon. Um, getting tons of stuff done. But you weren't always in this type of shape and and having these types of energy levels, right? Right. You and are correct. What's what's the journey? Where take us back to before you made these changes? Where were you at? What was your life like? Yeah, absolutely. And I love talking about this because it's actually a specific moment. And it was back in December of 2002. And at that point, I was actually over 300 pounds. I was wearing 46-inch pants and I was wearing triple extra large shirts. So that's to give people an idea of what I looked like. And I I was just miserable. I was tired all the time. And uh, I was playing football on the video game. And uh, I threw an interception, got extremely upset. I threw down the controller And that's when it hit me. When I bent down to pick the controller up, I found myself exasperated. I couldn't even breathe. And then I couldn't see my feet. And that's when I realized, wow. I mean, over you know, looking back over time, the weight just kind of slowly came on. But I felt like at that moment, it just poofed. It just showed up. And that's when it hit me that, okay, I have to do something. And so I jumped on uh, what like what, you know, a lot of people do is I jumped on the New Year's bandwagon that following year. But then I had a, you know, I had short-term and long-term goals. And uh, six months after I started, I had a goal of losing 50 pounds. I actually lost 75 pounds. And then about a year and a half roughly after that, that's when I got certified as a trainer. And I kind of found some ways to lose another 40 pounds. So I've lost 115 pounds altogether, which, you know, that's a great accomplishment. But for me, it's all about keeping it off because I've, I've kept it off now. Here we are years later, over a, t- over a decade later, and I've still been able to keep that weight off. And to me, that's what's really, that's what the accomplishment is all about. So that's what kind of propelled me into the fitness industry. Very cool. That's, that's impressive. 115 pounds. Um, right. When, when you were overweight, did you, you, you described that moment where you experienced this tremendous pain uh, and it was almost like it, suddenly you realized what had been taking place and been before you the, the entire time. Were you consciously avoiding looking in the mirror, taking pictures, doing things like that when you were overweight so that you didn't have to face that pain? Can you kind of, because I, I see that a lot with people, um, especially folks that are really overweight, they don't even want to take before pictures uh, because they're so used to avoiding pictures. Where were you at? What was your mindset like back then? Well, it's funny because the before pictures that I show are, are just, you know, just kind of random pictures. There's, there, I'm not standing there with a newspaper or anything because I didn't like to have my picture taken. I, I couldn't stand it. Whenever I saw somebody taking pictures, even at just family functions, I was kind of, I always try to, you know, kind of weasel my way out of the, out of the frame so I wouldn't get taken. And then, uh, and of course, when it came to, to looking in the mirror, it was just, I, I just kind of shook my head and just like, wow, I mean, I, why am I looking like this? Why am I feeling like this? So yeah, there was certainly all the time I, you know, I try to avoid the camera because I was just embarrassed of, of how I looked and, uh, and more importantly, how I felt. Did you have a tendency to procrastinate more back then than you do now? Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. It was always oh, I should I should go on a diet, and I said that for years. <laughs> and it, it was it's just funny how 
it was that moment. It was that controller and looking down and just realizing, I mean, it just like a switch went off, like, boom, like that very next, uh, that, in January, I just, I jumped on the bandwagon and I went hardcore. And, and of course, you know, I, I transitioned into habits, but I, my mindset was hardcore and it was like a, a switch just went off and it was just, I, everything changed about me, not only physically, but mentally as well. From knowing what you know, is that something that we can purposefully initiate in ourselves? So like you had that moment and that's great. But say there's, there's people listening and they know, maybe, maybe they don't have to lose 115 pounds. Maybe they only need to lose 15 pounds. Or maybe they, you know, their doctors told them that their, their ticker is not in good shape. And if they don't start doing something different, it's, they're going to be in a real bad spot. Is there something that we can do to have that aha moment to flip the switch? Is it something we can do intentionally or do they need to wait for that moment when they spike the controller down and bend down to pick it up and go, holy shit, what happened to me? <laughs> for most people, that's, that's what it is. Cause, uh, you know, frankly, family and friends, they, you know, they would encourage me to try to make some changes and I just, I wouldn't listen. And, uh, it's, it's, I would say the most important thing is you have to discover that you have to change for yourself. Nobody else is going to get you to want to change. It's going to come from within. And a lot of times it, it, it's going to take that moment. Like some people might be experiencing that moment right now. They, they think, okay, I have to do something, but they don't know exactly what. And that's when the, the switch is, you know, that's when the switch goes off. And all you have to do is, is just, okay, you're going to sit down and, you know, I, I guess we can jump into this habit rollover method we talked about. It's uh, to me that that's just the easiest way to approach it. So let's say, okay, you know what? I got I got to lose 25 pounds. You know, I'm I'm tired in the afternoon. I don't have energy like I used to. I can't play with my kids. I can't play with my grandkids. You know, I'm tired of not going to social events because I'm worn out. I got to do something about it. And then what happens is people will jump in and they'll start eating fish and broccoli every day. And they you know they give up ice cream forever. And two weeks into it, they're thinking, you know what? I can't do this for the rest of my life. This is just too hard. And then they give up. So I like to use what's called the habit rollover method. So what I do is, is uh, you, you write out 12 to 16 habits that you know you got to change or habits that you need to implement. For instance, like drink more water. Okay. So you write out these habits and then you think, okay, I got to change all these habits, right? So what you do is you look at the easiest habit that you can change right now. And so let's say, for instance, um, you got to drink more water. Like let's say somebody might be drinking 30 to 40 ounces a day, which is not enough. And so, okay, you know what? I'm going to start drinking 80 ounces a day. So that's the only thing you focus on for the next seven days. Everything else remains the same. So if you're having a bowl of ice cream every night for dessert, you continue having that bowl of ice cream. And I know this advice is a little controversial, but this works because a lot of th- people might think, well, if you're still having ice cream every day, you're not really progressing. Ah, I beg to argue because here's the thing is you were having a bowl of ice cream every night and not drinking enough water. Well, now you're having a bowl of ice cream every night and you're having, you're drinking more water. That's progress. You know, that's a progression. You're progressing. Right. And so what we're going to do is you do that for seven days. Then the following week, we take that habit that you've mastered. Now, it may take more than a week. It, you know, let's say a week goes by and you look back and you only drink 80 ounces you know, four of the seven days, that's okay. You know what? We're going to continue working on that until we master it. And for seven days straight, we're going to drink 80 ounces. So once you master that habit, we roll that habit into the next week. And then we look on, and then we uh, look to improve our second easiest habit. 
while, of course, incorporating the first habit. Next thing you know, 10, 12, 14 weeks go by and you have all these new habits in place that are almost like clockwork. And you can imagine what that does for your health. Your clothes start feeling looser. You start feeling better. You start exercising more. Things become easier. And next thing you know, you, you have the habits in place to continue with your transformation beyond the 12, 14, 16 weeks. So that's the habit rollover method. I, I love that. And I think more than anything, what's keeping us from achieving the success that we want is just consistency. Like people are always looking for the most effective workout or the best nutrition program when it's like, if, if you're just able to consistently implement moving your body and sweating and like even just eating more green stuff with every meal, if you consistently <laughs> implement that and it's not start a diet, stop a diet, start a diet, stop a diet, try this, try that. And, um, and so this habit rollover method, I could see that being really powerful. What, what do you do? To, so let's say you've got folks that they don't have a tremendous amount of structure to their day and they want to do this, but you're, how do you help them stay consistent? Do you use visual cues? Like if, if drinking more water is one of them, would you have them buy a big water bottle that they carry around? Or um, do you have them set alarms on their phone? What do you do to help them stay consistent and remember, oh, okay, I'm doing this habit rollover thing. I need to make sure I'm getting mm. stuff done. Cause I'm sure after week one, it starts getting a little bit more complicated every week. Right. Um, I actually encourage people to use like a, just a simple spreadsheet. You know, they could create an Excel and just list out the habits and you just simply put an X next to the habit. And of course you, you, you write out seven days and you, you know, you have your habits on the left and you have your days across the top or vice versa, whatever floats your boat. And then you simply just put an X next to the day after you accomplish that. And then what's really cool about that is you actually see your progress on that spreadsheet. You could see yourself making progress. And so it kind of motivates you to, to stick with it. And so that's, that's really the simplest way. And, and of course, there's other, you know, there's other things you could do. You, you could have a timer on your phone if, that, if you like apps and things like that. By all means, you know, don't hold back. Use whatever you have to do to, to get these habits into place. I like that a lot. And it's funny, this, this stuff, it seems like you hear it and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, like I've heard that before. And then we write it off and we don't do it. But it makes such a big difference to see that spreadsheet on your fridge or like sometimes I'll have clients do that with a, a, a whiteboard and just make like a calendar and like have like the stuff that you need to do each day in there so you can check it off because it, it reminds you and it's hard when we're all really busy, get up early, you got kids, you're running around all day. Next thing you know, it's like you're getting in bed and you're like, oh, I didn't do any of my habits. <laughs> you know, I didn't take my supplements, yeah. I didn't do any of this. What, what are your, um, walk us through your habits right now. Like, what's what's the first ninety minutes of your day look like? Uh, we'll make that part A, and then part B. Okay. We'll talk about the other things that you're like that you consider high leverage habits for optimal performance and health. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I get up at four uh, Monday through Friday, and then sat uh, on Saturday. I get up at five. That's just that's just what what works for me. I'm an early riser. Um, I you, do have to use. Have you always arms. been that way? No. Actually, no. I, as a matter of fact, I used to sleep in until usually like on my days off, 7, 30, 8 o'clock easily. Yeah. And now, even if I don't set an alarm, I, I just naturally wake up at like 5.30. But I, I use an alarm and get up at 4. I just I, I love getting up before the world wakes up. I don't have any distractions. And I got this from Craig Ballantyne. He He's the one that really instilled this in me and uh, kind of preached it to me. And until I implemented it, I didn't see how powerful it was, but I get more done in the first couple of hours of the day than I do pretty much the rest of the day total. I mean, it's just really powerful. So uh, the first thing I do is I get up at four, 
and uh, drink some water, uh, have some quiet time. I do some writing and then I check, uh, check my inner circle on my Facebook group. And then uh, and that's, that's pretty much my first 90 minutes right there is, is the things that I have to I have to get done, which is, of course, for me and my life, you know, to secure my livelihood, it's a lot of writing. So I have to get a lot of writing done. And the house is really quiet. So it, it just puts me in the right mindset. And I'm able to get a lot done in those first 90 minutes. So that's, that's pretty much what I do. I like that. Diving deeper into that, any particular type of water, is this tap water, is this filtered water, is it some uh, a bottled water? What do we drink? Uh, it's bottled water. Yeah, okay. sure. Is. We have a, a filter on our, on our refrigerator as well. But I, you know, just like every 60 to 90 minutes, I get up from my desk and I go downstairs. It just kind of keeps me moving on, my, on the days that I'm not working out. And, you know, that I, I remember to go down and get some water. So for one thing, I'm drinking more water, which is good for me. And two, I'm, I'm, I'm up and moving around, which is really important to me as well. But uh, as far as like uh, energy performance and everything, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I play basketball. And it's like my favorite outlet. Um, I play with a bunch of guys. I'm 41. And all these guys are typically late 20s, early 30s. And I'm actually that I can hang with them. You know, I can't dunk or anything, but I can I can hang with them going up and down that court. To me, that's just really important because it, it helps me stay active. And it just it keeps me young. It helps me feel young. And, uh, and of course, three days a week, I strength train. It's, I, I put it into my appointment book as if, as if it's a doctor's appointment. I know what time I'm working out and where and, and those kinds of things three days a week. And that includes Saturday, where I, I love Saturday because I take the whole family. Uh, my boys go to the, uh, the, the uh, child care that they have there, and they love it. And, of course, I get to work out with my wife. And then uh, a lot of times I get to work out with my wife during the week as well. I like, I like that a lot. How long have you and your wife been working out together? Um, on and off for, I want to say maybe five years, but I would say consistently the last like four or five months. Cause, uh, we, you know, we got a gym that's, um, only 20 minutes away. They have childcare and, uh, we're able to drop the kids off and, and she's now finally able to do the programs that, that I like to do, which is full body workouts, a lot of kettlebell swings and things like that. So it's, uh, it, it makes it a lot more fun too. And we go in the middle of the day. So the crowds, you know, the, the crowds at the gym are very minimal. Yeah. Um, what, how has that affected your relationship training together? Closer than ever. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, we've had a strong marriage, but, um, it, it's just, there's something about working out with your spouse because not only are you working out, but you can also encourage each other. And then you can also talk about just random stuff and just kind of get to know each other at a, at a deeper, deeper level, which you can't beat that. You're, you're burning calories, you're taking care of your body. And at the same time, you're, you're learning more about each other. So no doubt, if you have the opportunity to work out with your spouse, I, I say take it. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, like if you, if you showed up at the gym unplanned, you walked in and your wife was working out with some other guy, you would be like pretty uncomfortable and jealous because it's somewhat of an intimate activity. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, unless it's like a professional trainer or something like that. But it, so there's, there's a connection there with just moving and sweating together and there's, uh, yeah, there's so much time where we're just super busy. We don't, we don't do date nights. You know, we, we say we're going to do date night once a, once a month or twice a month or whatever, but you hear about situations, the husband's working out, the wife is working out, but they're doing it separate. And that's a good way to kind of, I like that a lot. You mentioned quiet time. Can you elaborate on quiet time? <laughs> Cause for me, yeah. if it was, if I woke up at 4am, I drank some water and then I had quiet time, that would be fall back asleep time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, it's, it's like a ritual because I, you know, I get up and I drink some water 
And then uh, I sit down, we have a, a kind of a bar counter in the kitchen and I sit at the bar counter and, you know, like I said, the house is just really quiet and I get out, there's, a, there's three things I get out. One is, uh, one is my Bible. Number two is uh, right now it's uh, Martin Rooney's uh, Rooney Rules and I read two of those every day. And then uh, there's a, a PEX program, which is basically a text to pest you is what Craig says, but it's from Craig Valentine. And there's the text that I read, uh, read from him as well. And it's just kind of a, just sometimes it's an inspirational quote. Sometimes it's just inspiration from him. And then, uh, then I get out my gratitude journal and I write out what I'm thankful for from the previous day. You know, it, it could be anywhere between having a breakthrough in my business to just having a great workout with my wife to having a fun time with my boys. I just, I write out something that I'm thankful for. And so that's my, my quiet time morning ritual. It's, it, and it's not long either. It's only like maybe 15 minutes. It's not long at all. Real quick, the, the book from Martin Rooney, is that the training for warriors guy? It sure is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Nice. He's, he's, he's great. Um, each day has one quote. So I, I typically read two. And they're, they're just very powerful quotes. So it's, it's really cool stuff. It's important to find what resonates with you. Like Jay Ferrugia recommended the Tao Te Ching and uh, reading just a little bit in that every day. And I was doing that for a while. And, uh, but then some, you know, some days, and this is just going to make me sound uh, like an idiot, but some days I would read it and I'd be scratching my head and I'm like, what, what the heck are they talking about? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like, I wasn't as motivated to go back and keep reading it, you know, but if it's like, right. so find whatever it is, if it's Rooney's rules, if it's, if it's Bruce Lee striking thoughts or whatever, just a book of success quotes from some whatever, whatever, like mm -hmm. you, you vibe with something to kind of feed your brain. Right. Absolutely. I like Absolutely. that. And what was the text from Craig that you were talking about? Uh, it's called his PEX program, P-E-X-T. Um, he, he sends it to all of his coaching clients okay. and, uh, it's just this, uh, he typically sends it anywhere between, I've seen it as early come through as early as like 3am to, to, you know, like five or five thirty. but it's just, uh, it's really cool. Nice. And that's not something, so that's, that's as part of his inner circle. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's part of his coaching. Program. Right. All right. Nice. And then, uh, lastly, what gratitude journal do you use or is it just a regular old book paper? Just a regular book, just paper. Yeah. yeah. Do you, have a, do you have a structure? Is it like I have to write down, I don't stop until I've written down three things or, or is it more like, what's your, what's your style? I keep it simple. As long as I write down one thing that I'm thankful for from the previous day, I'm, you know, I, that's my goal is to just write down one thing that I'm thankful for. And it could be little or, you know, little or big, it doesn't matter, but just something that I'm thankful for from the previous day. When you're working with somebody and they're like, do you ever have someone that says, oh, I, I can't think of anything to be grateful for or something like that? What, what, what will you tell someone in that situation? I tell them to take a deep breath yeah. and, and I'll say, let it out. I say, cool, you can breathe. You should, should be thankful that you're, uh, you're alive and that you're breathing. That's what yeah. I would tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. I like that. What were some of the big changes you made in when you were losing all this weight and, and uh, transforming your life, what were some of the changes you made nutritionally? We'll start with that. Yeah, um, I would say the biggest one was my breakfast. I mean, I, I'm not afraid to admit this, but my breakfast was on the way to work. I had a, at the time I was in a corporate job, and we would stop at a gas station, and I would get this huge 
Mr. Pib. So that was my soda. And then I would actually get an iced honey bun. So not only was it a honey bun, but it was a honey bun with icing on it because it just a honey bun just didn't have enough calories, right? Okay. So here we are. You know, typically you're looking in a neighborhood of around 1,200 calories for just for breakfast. And so that was my breakfast. And then uh, for lunch, it was typically go to uh, to a fast food. Now I'd always get something supersized with a Coke. And then in the afternoon, I would get a candy bar. And then for dinner, that's when it just really just blew up. I would. Typically, I would have a bag of chips, like a, a full bag of chips while I'm deciding what to eat for dinner, which usually ended up being a frozen pizza and half a carton of ice cream. I mean, it's, I would say in the neighborhood of around 10,000 calories a day is what I was consuming. It was just ridiculous. So uh, the one thing I wanted to change was my breakfast. So that was the first thing I changed. And it's funny because now I skip breakfast. I'm an intermittent faster. I don't, I don't typically eat until about 11 or, or so. But uh, back then, I switched out my breakfast, and I just went with something as simple as oatmeal with a spoonful of peanut butter, and that was it. And I felt fuller, longer. I had more energy in the morning. You know, typically after my iced honey bun breakfast, about ninety minutes after that, I wouldn't want to take a you know a nap at my desk. Whereas this one, it just gave me more energy, and I felt better because it the, obviously the food was just digesting a little more slowly. So that was the the biggest change was changing my breakfast. So once I kind of got that under control, then I thought, okay, you know what? Instead of you know going to a fast food restaurant, I'm gonna uh, we're gonna we can go to the mall and maybe go to the food court, and there and you know there I can at least get some grilled chicken and, and some vegetables. And so I started you know started to do that, and then of course I started to slowly change my night habits. So I would say the first thing I changed was my breakfast. I mean that was that was the biggest change. Um, that right there probably removed a thousand calories a day. So that was, um, and I just kind of slowly made these changes. But when I first started, I actually had it to where I had a cheat day. And it was 90% of the time it was on Saturday. And that's when it was more for a mental break than anything. But that's just when I realized, you know what, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to take a break from my diet. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm not going to stuff myself and make myself sick, but I am going to eat the foods that I enjoy. And then the next day, I, would able, I was able to, to get back on board and, and get back on track. So, uh, you know, to sum up, I basically, you know, that was the one thing was, was the breakfast. I mean, it's just snap of a finger. I, I took off a thousand calories from my diet. So that was, that was a big change right there. Yeah. You, it sounds like you were able to, be, to stay consistent with this. Were there any points along the way where you felt like thrown in the towel? Uh, yeah, because you know sometimes I would hit a plateau. I mean, there was you know two, three weeks go by, and you know you don't see a, a change on the scale, and that was because of my lack of knowledge. Because looking back, had I known, I, I wouldn't have you know based my success on the scale alone. Because I, a lot of times, especially in females, I will see like a client lose almost two dress sizes, but she only lost like five pounds on the scale. Where looking back, I remember going from, uh, I think it was, it was from a size 42 to a 40 during my journey. I don't think the scale, if I remember right, the scale didn't change at all. But I went from a 42 to 440, and that's two inches in my waist without the scale moving. And so I was basing my success on the scale. But um, I just, I, I kept thinking of that long-term goal. And for me, it was because I was going on vacation that year. And so I started in January. I had a, a, a vacation lined up for, I think it was the beginning of July. And I just, I kept thinking of that long-term goal. It's like, oh, if I keep at it, I will be, you know, I'll be much leaner by the time I go on vacation. And that year I went to the Dominican Republic and uh, I knew I was going to have my shirt off and that kind of thing. So I was like, if I keep at it, I just kept envisioning, 
you know, that end result. And for me, that's, that's what was really powerful is just having that end result in my mind and just envisioning myself being leaner. So you pictured yourself as if you'd already achieved that end result. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a, that was a big key to my success for sure. So you were like on the beach and it was at Punta Cana. It was actually, yeah. yeah. All right. Nice so like <laughs> on, on the beach in Punta Cana, looking lean, and that was kind of where you focused. So you wouldn't, would you find yourself going to the mirror and being like, God, I'm still so fat, or did you try not to do that? I, I tried not to do that. Um, there, there was no point really when I, when I would look in the mirror and be like, oh, man. I just, uh, and, and I would say another big key too was, was surrounding myself with friends that encouraged me. Um, you know, the guy that I was working out with, I mean, he, he encouraged me not only during the workouts, but in between workouts as well. He's, he would always say, I know it's hard work, but you're, you know, you're still making a commitment. You're doing really well and uh, good effort yesterday and things like that. Just the encouragement to keep me going even through those, those hard plateaus. I heard a, a phrase once that you just reminded me of, and it was something along the lines of good teachers te teach tactics, great teachers teach commitment. And it was mm. like, you, you're you saying that him being like, you made the commitment. That's what's important. Like reinforcing that is, uh, it's so huge. That's really cool. Um, did you start working out right from the beginning or was that something you added in down the line? Yeah, I actually went off right at the beginning. And um, it's funny because I went to my old high school track to start off and I just I thought you know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some running and so I showed up at the track and I was just going to warm up by walking one lap well little did I know that just the walking around the lap was just going to exhaust me and I thought man am, am I too late am I <laughs> was, am I going to be able to do this and so that was that was my first thing was just to just to get moving and so I started just walking around the track in my old high school but then um you know right off the bat too fortunately I had this friend of mine that uh, his name's Tom and and he and I would actually work out with weights in the gym. And, uh, and it was hard. I mean, it was hard at the beginning, which you can imagine. But um, it, right off the bat, I, I went ahead and I wanted to implement diet and exercise because, you know, they're both important. Diet is, is, of course, the most important. But I wanted to incorporate exercise to make it a lifestyle. Did um, If someone's listening and, and they know they need to make a change, and this, you know, there's, there's people that have a ton of weight to lose and people that, that have not so much weight to lose. And if it's, if you're more on the end of the spectrum where you're already working out, you're already eating pretty good and you're just looking for that edge, that's amazing. But th this question is more for the folks that are like, they know they need to do more. What would you say are the most important high leverage exercises? Is it walking? Is it certain resistance, uh, training exercises? What, where would you gear people towards, um, in the movement category? Uh, without a doubt, it's resistance exercises and just just the big movements like lunges, uh, dumbbell rows. I mean, you can even just do, do body weight, you know, push ups, uh, inverted rows, um, you know, body weight squats. Just something that works a lot of muscles at one time. I mean, if you think about it, uh, a reverse lunge, you know, you're, you're working your your glutes, your hamstrings, your quads, all kinds, your hips, all kinds of muscles, and so you're burning a lot more calories. So without a doubt, if you had to choose between Resistance exercise and walking, resistance hands down is going to get you faster results without a doubt. Okay, cool, cool. And um, when you were when you were working out, how much was cardiovascular training a part of what you were doing when you were losing the weight? Uh, had I known better, I would have done less. But what I try to do traditionally when I first started was uh, typically around thirty to forty minutes, three days a week. Okay. And I would either do it immediately after my workout or on my days in between. Looking back, 
I didn't have to do that. I mean, I could have incorporated finishers or interval cardio and, and gotten better, if not even faster results, because that's that's what I started to do with my clients, and they were getting faster results than, than I was getting back when I was losing weight. So without a doubt, it's it, you know looking at it now, uh, I would incorporate either finishers or interval training in with your with your regular resistance training. And for someone listening that's not not familiar with finishers, um, you've got you've got a couple programs on on finishers, right? Can you explain what they are and maybe provide some examples? And um, I, at my request, plug your program. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you can see the smile on my face because I, I love talking finishers. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what got me into the the um, online space is is coming out with these workout finishers. But basically, if if you and I were in an elevator and and you asked me, hey Mike, what's a what's a finisher? I would say, you know what, a finisher replaces long boring cardio or even interval training that you could do in ten minutes or less that uses multiple muscle groups. So that would be the the nutshell answer. But basically, what we're looking at doing is we're looking at moving your body fast. We're looking at doing full body workouts in just like 10 minutes or less. And so what we're going to do is we're going to use uh, big compound movements like um, you know jump squats or just bodyweight squats, push-ups, things like that. And we're going to have you go through them with, with an upbeat tempo. So we are looking now from going from, you've already got your strength training done, so now we're going to go into a conditioning phase of your program. And it's always really good to put this at the end of your resistance training program because now we're we're really diving deep into those fat cells and really burning off that excess fat. Because what happens is when you do a finisher, uh, let me give you one as, as an example so people can kind of get a visual. Let's do a ladder. And we're going to do jump squats. You're going to do eight reps. And then we're going to go down and we're going to do eight push-ups. And then we're going to hop back up. We're going to do seven jump squats. And we're going to do seven push-ups. We're going to continue and work our way down until we do one rep of each exercise. Now, if you're advanced, you can actually work your way back up to eight. But for most people, going from eight to one of each, that's that's going to be plenty, especially with the jump squat in there. But going from a standing exercise to a floor exercise is going to burn calories in itself. But now we're, we're adding the component of jump squat, which is an explosive movement. So we're recruiting a lot of muscle fibers and a lot of muscle. And then, of course, in the push-up, we're, we're working everything. You know, biceps, triceps, shoulders, chest, glutes, you name it. And so now we're, we're hitting a lot of muscles too. And by going back and forth and, and, of course, using a faster tempo, I mean, you're going to be pouring buckets of sweat. But what happens is once you're done, your body is going to have to work extra hard to come down to a normal state. And so your body, in order to do that, has to burn calories. And that's the idea. So you're going to be burning calories, you know, 18, 20 hours after you're done from that finisher, which is, you know, that's awesome. It's a great benefit. And what's really cool is you found a sneaky way to get people to basically do burpees without telling them they're going to be doing burpees. Because <laughs> that, word, that word immediately just causes people to shell up and be like, uh-uh, no, there's no chance I'm doing those. Um, but yeah, I like, I like that a lot. Um, so if you knew then what you know now, what would you – give one example of a finisher workout that you think that, – that you would have told yourself to do. Um, as a matter of fact, when I first started, I would, I would probably use less impact exercises. So instead of jump squat, perhaps maybe kettlebell swings. Kettlebell swing is like one of the – I call it one of the king exercises. It's just amazing how many calories it burns and then how many muscles you recruit to, to do that. So I would, uh, I would have told myself, you know what, we're going to – 
We're going to do uh, some incline push-ups because those are easier. So now we can put our hands on a you know in a Smith bar or a bench or even a wall to make those push-ups easier. And then we're going to do uh, some kettlebell swings. So I would say you know what we're going to do ten push-ups and we're going to do twenty kettlebell swings and we're going to do that for three rounds. You know just to start off that's that's a that's a pretty hefty finisher right there. You're going to use a lot of a lot of muscle and burn a lot of calories, but at the same time. Now we're looking at a less intrusive and it's not as uh, hard on your, on your joints. So that's a joint-friendly option. I like that. If someone's a beginner, where do you usually start them out weight-wise if it's a guy – for kettlebell swings, uh, if it's a guy and if it's a girl? Um, I, I can't remember the exact uh, poundage, but I think Chris Lopez shares a really good YouTube video on this. But typically what I do is I will start my female clients with like a 15-pound kettlebell. And just kind of see how they are because, you know, females could be a lot stronger and a lot stronger than males and say, you know what, we're going to start you off with a 53-pound kettlebell because apparently you're a beast. And so it just depends on the individual. But a 15-pound kettlebell is, is pretty much a good place to start. And then for guys, usually around 30 to 35 pounds is a good place. And then if, it, if that seems too easy, we can always beef it up. And, of course, the opposite is true too. If it seems too heavy, you can always bring it down. But the thing is with kettlebell swings – if it's if it's too light, you're you're not going to get any benefit, and it's just it's you're kind of wasting your time. It's the same thing as kind of going for a walk. I mean, you want to you want that weight to be challenging, so you're actually recruiting. I mean, you, your glutes have to work in order to get that kettlebell up, so you got to keep that in mind. Yeah, one of one of my clients is eight months pregnant right now, and she came she came back from a bar class last week, and she told me that they were doing kettlebell swings with two and a half pound kettlebells like these little tiny dinky kettlebells and she was she's like she's like i'm in there eight months pregnant like laughing i'm like this is doing nothing what are we what's going on right now um and she's she's got that like just freak baby mama strength you know like uh, you know where you hear the stories about the women picking up the cars with one arm to pull their baby out from underneath she's got like that stuff going on we'll be we'll be working out and uh she'll have like she'll be like repping with 25 30 pound dumbbells and I'm just sitting there in amazement, and I'm like, that was like, you just did like 15 reps with 30-pound dumbbells. And she's like, oh, I did? Huh. <laughs> it's like amazing <laughs> what happens hormonally when, uh, when, when the Lord or whatever you believe in is preparing a mother to have a child. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're an expert in strategic cheating. How has your view of cheat days evolved from where it was back when you first started eating healthier, but wanted that psychological break to where it is today? Yeah, just from personal experience, what I gathered from using a cheat day is it started to get overboard. Like I had the mentality of, okay, this is my cheat day. I have to get it in all today because if not, I won't be able to have any of these foods for another week. And so I found myself just kind of overindulging. And the same thing was happening to some of my clients. And so now, instead of having just a full-out cheat day, how about we spread those cheats? Like, for instance, maybe uh, you know, maybe Friday have a cheat, and then one or two cheats on Saturday, and then like a little miniature cheat on on Sunday. Because the at the end of the day, it really comes down to this. And what a lot of people don't understand is a lot of people look at it as a daily calorie deficit. You know, in order to lose one pound of fat, you know, you have to have a daily calorie deficit of 500 calories. Well, what if we looked at the overall, the big picture and looked at the weekly calorie deficit? So let's say you can, you know, you can have 1,200 calories one day and the next day have, you know, 2,100 calories. 
in, instead of, you know, just trying to cut 500 a day. So now let's say, you know, you could cut off seven, eight, 900 calories one day, and then maybe just three to 400 calories the next day, you're still going to have that same deficit at the end of the week. And you're still going to get those, you know, that one to two pound of fat loss per week. And so what, that's what I encourage people to do is uh, look at the overall weekly deficit instead of the daily deficit. And there's also some tricks you could do too. Um, for instance, you know, the day after a cheat day, uh, keep your carbs low and things like that. And, and of course, even some intermittent fasting to, to speed up the process. But uh, that's, that's kind of the way I've, I've kind of transitioned away from the full cheat day and, and instead kind of spread those over a period of three days. I like that. Um, what, what your most recent cheat day, what did it look like? Well, let's see. Uh, it was, oh, it's actually Father's Day weekend. And so I had pancakes for dinner, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh, that's <sounds> delicious. <laughs> yeah, yep, it was. It was great. We, uh, we actually had a, there's a fun game called Can Jam. I don't know if you ever heard of it. But, I think you also uh, just settled that debate with Craig Ballantyne, that you, that yeah. you had pancakes uh, for your Father's Day dinner. I think you like them more than he does, unless he also did <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's he's finally threw in the towel and realized that I'm I'm the king of of pancakes. So, but uh, but yeah, it was Saturday night. I had a nice stack of pancakes then, and then uh, my family and I had um, had a Father's Day celebration. My extended family, so we went over to my sister's house, and uh, you know my my sister made some kind of mysterious Oreo something. It was like this chocolate cake mousse Oreo cookie something, and I had some of that as well. So that was that was my last cheat was on Sunday. Did you do intermittent fasting afterwards? What did you do? What, what strategies do you personally use to get back on track as quickly as possible? Um, really, it's kind of a case-by-case -case basis. Like, and I encourage people to do this too, is really have a look at what works for you. You know, For me, 90% of the time, daily intermittent fasting works for me. That's just, that's, that's easiest for me. Um, I'm really busy in the morning. I have more, you know, I have more energy during the day when I use daily intermittent fasting. And that's basically just taking a break from food until, um, you know, I'll end my dinner at like five or five thirty, Um, and then the next day I don't eat until, you know, say 10 30, 11, 11 30. I don't really time it, but somewhere around there's when I have my first meal, that's just what works for me. Now, if I realize that, you know what, this past weekend, you know, I cheated a little too hard and, you know, I had an extra cheat meal here, an extra serving here. And so, you know what, today I'm going to do a 24 hour fast. It's going to be hard, but you know what, my body needs it. My body needs this, you know, this reset uh, and my digestive tract just needs a break. And so I'll, I'll do a 24 hour fast, like on that Monday. And for me, that's a lot of times it's easier too, because it's just Mondays are, are pretty busy as it is. And so sometimes I will slide in like a 24-hour fast just to give my digestive system a break. Yeah, the 24-hour the fast has gained a lot of exposure recently, but, I mean, that's something that Paul Bragg's been recommending for decades. I mean, he used to say, like, if you're feeling out of sorts physically or mentally, just fast. Drink a whole bunch <laughs> of water. And he even fasted himself 24 hours once a week for, like, most of his life. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that too. Similar to you, I, I, it sounds like you're more of like an intuitive eater. Like you, you wait until you get hungry and then you eat. And then yes. you kind of yep. like, you know, you push it a little bit. But And uh, the 24-hour fasts are never easy. But no. you usually go through that period where you're like grumpy for an hour and then get over it. <laughs> um, do you have any like backlash from cheat days where you feel like food comas, food hangovers, anything like that? 
Yeah, it, that's another thing I was experiencing was, you know, the next day I just felt like I was kind of in a fog all day because, you know, the day prior I was eating a bunch of, you know, processed carbs and, and uh, sweets and whatever. I have a sweet tooth, so when I cheat, it's, it's a lot of sugar. And it, it kind of gives me a brain fog, and I just didn't like that. So by spreading it out and just like having, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little bit of ice cream today. It's, you know, it's one of my cheat days. I'm going to have some ice cream. Next thing you know, I, I'm not really losing out on, on my focus, and, and, and I'm not having that brain fog. I can, you know, I can certainly feel it, but it's not like I, I had like a coma crash. I mean, when I have a stack of pancakes, that's why I, I only do it once every two weeks. Like 60 to 90 minutes later, I have to have a nap. I mean, I'm just like crushed. And so that's, um, that's, I would say that's the biggest benefit of, of kind of spreading your cheats is that you don't get that brain fog and you get that nice, like, you know, that break mentally from dieting. Yeah. So that's definitely a big benefit. Yeah, for sure. What's something that you've integrated into your routine or something, you know, a, a purchase, some hack that you've recently integrated in the last six to 12 months that has produced uh, a big return for you in, in terms of either energy or mental clarity. And it, it, it can be a product, it can be a habit, whatever, whatever comes to mind. Oddly enough, kettlebell swings. Yeah. It's just, yeah, kettlebell swings. It's just my hip mobility has, has gone through the roof. Uh, I find myself jumping a lot higher when I play with the guys in, in basketball. Um, so it's helping my vertical leap and it's helping my strength. I mean, it was, you know, I'm no, you know, uh, meathead or anything, but I was typically for 20 reps, I'll use a 24 or 24 kilogram, which is about 53 pounds. Well, now I'm using like a 70 pound. I'm, I'm up to like a 32 kilogram when I do 20 swings, which for me, that's a big deal. I mean, at 41, that's, that's not bad. I know there's some guys that are swinging 90, 100 pounds or whatnot, but for me, it was just a big change. And uh, it's just, it, it, my, my hips just feel better and I feel more mobile and uh, my lower back. Yeah, it's such an important move. It's more people know how to squat than know how to hip hinge. And if you don't know how to hip hinge, you're going to you're going to hurt your back doing kettlebell swings. So it kind of forces you to spend some time either with the trainer or on YouTube or whatever to learn how to right. do it. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your achievable body program, what that's all about. My wife actually came up with a name, but when I explained her the the ins and outs of the program, what it all entails and everything, and I just said, okay, with all of that, I just want people to know that this is actually achievable. It's not like you know, some kind of hardcore 21-day program or 30-day program where you eat nothing but you know steak and, and broccoli and things like that. This is actually doable. And uh, she goes, well, how about the achievable body? I'm like, that's it. That's that's the one. And so that's uh, that's what I went with. But basically, it's a program that's like the title says, it's achievable. It, it just tells you these uh, these small habits that let you cheat a little bit more. But here's the thing is it's not a you know lose 10 pounds in 10 days program. It's actually more of a moderate long-term approach, which is I know a lot different than than what the other programs are all about. Because you see all these, you know, 14-day, 21-day, 30-day challenges and stuff like that. I decided, you know what, what about the long term? What what about something that they can use this week and then they can also use this eight months from now? That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to solve that problem. So that's what the achievable body is all about. Uh, it's an exercise program that doesn't it doesn't have any kind of jumps in it. It's all low impact, but still very powerful. So it's full body movements. You don't need any equipment at all whatsoever. And then the, the diet is very simple to follow. It lets you cheat a lot more. We're, we're talking all week. I mean, it's geared towards the weekends, but 
you can have it, you know, you can have your cheats any three days of the week, but it lets you cheat three days a week instead of the traditional one and still lose that one to two pounds a week. And so that's what the achievable body is all about. That's pretty cool. What what type of people are investing in the achievable body right now and getting getting really good results? Like if you had to hone in on this is our target market right now that's just crushing it. Um, surprisingly, I, I guess because um, it, I used you know one of the first people that I used it on is actually my mom, and a lot of people don't know that. And uh, and that's just seeing her results. She lost I think sixty seven pounds, and she's in her sixties. And so surprisingly, it's, you know, most of my customers are actually females. Um, I'd say anywhere between 45 to like 75 typically. And I think it's because it's, it's not hardcore. It's low impact. It doesn't require fancy equipment. It doesn't require any equipment. So people can, you know, they're more comfortable doing this at home, which is fine. And it just allows them to do that in the, in the comfort of their own home. And then it allows you, like I said, to, to just have you know, a little bit more balance in your life. And it's, it's not one of these, like I said, you're not going to lose you know, 14 pounds in 12 days or anything like that. This is more of a one to two pounds a week. You know, when somebody first starts it, just because it's so different, you know, they might see three to five pounds in the first few days because it's just so different. But then after that, we're looking at a moderate one to two pounds of weight loss per week. And, uh, and, and just consistent progress. And that's, that's what it's all about. It is. And that's what works if, if you're focused on not just losing a bunch of weight, taking some after pictures, and then going right back to whatever you were doing, which on a long enough timeline, you're going to gain the weight right back. But if you want right. to keep it off, you got do you talk about some of, your, um, some of your stuff with like the habit rollover in the program? Yeah, it's actually, uh, I actually encourage them. It's uh, in my follow up emails. I actually encourage them to use the habit rollover method. And so, as a matter of fact, I think it was um, like one or two days after they get it, they, they get like this compliance worksheet where um, they can actually write out, you know, their, their goals for the day and whether you're compliant or not. And you just put an X. And that way they, they could see, you know, if you're 40, 50% compliant. I don't know about you, but in high school, if I got 40, 50%, that's failing. You know, I'd yeah. fail. So then they could see why they're not getting results. So it, it really holds them. It's kind of, kind of like a free accountability tool. They can see if, you know, if they're 80, 90, 100% compliant, then that's when they're going to see the results week after week. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, where, where can folks go if they want to check out The Achievable Body? Uh, theachievablebody.com. Mikey, I appreciate you taking the time, man. This has been fun. I know you're a busy man. You've got a book coming out. Um, when are you anticipating that book being available, and can you tell us a little bit more about it? Absolutely. It's called Rise and Hustle, and uh, basically it's, uh, it's a book designed to help you transform your life physically, personally, and spiritually in 90 seconds a day or less. So that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the catch, I guess, as you could say. But um, I'm, I'm hoping for maybe September – uh, it just depends on you know when uh, when we can get them printed and and that kind of thing. I'm kind of going back and forth with uh, you know getting things in place, getting it edited, and all that stuff. So it's this is my first book, so it's definitely a process, a learning curve in, in the process. So it's been really fun to see how this unfolds. But um, that's the name of the book, and uh, I have a blog, uh, riseandhustle.com. That's right now it's about eighty percent done. There's still some things in the background to, to you know to get things moving, but. Uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be the name of the book, and I'm really uh, as of now that's going to be the name of the book. But I'm really excited about that. Nice, I'm excited about that too. I want to do more of that, feeding my brain with quotes early in the day, and and I think your book could be a great resource for that. So, like, if I personally wanted to get an update when your when your book was released, would I go to 
riseandhustle.com and enter my email address? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that would be the first place. Yeah, okay. definitely. Very cool, very cool. Well, uh, Mikey, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're a great guy, very knowledgeable, lots of amazing stuff that you shared, and uh, I thank, thank you. All right, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, take care, my man. All right, you too. This episode is brought to you by Millennial Health Systems. Millennial Health Systems engineers innovative and practical light hacking tools for enhancing energy, detoxification, boosting immune function, improving focus, accelerating recovery, and much, much more. They're the brains behind two of my favorite light biohacks I've been using for a long time now with myself and with clients, the Theralumin and the Spectrumite. The Spectrumite utilizes multiple frequency and color combinations delivered through 40 high-powered LEDs to increase mitochondrial function, the little energy powerhouses in our cells that produce ATP, boost nitric oxide production, and encourage a state of relaxed focus. It's based on NASA research, which has found this type of low-level laser therapy, abbreviated LLLT, greatly enhanced the natural wound healing process and more quickly returned patients to pre-injury and pre-illness levels of activity. It's a one-stop shop for all of your light hacking needs. I use both the Spectrumite and the Theralumin every week and consider the Theralumin a cornerstone of the programs I put together and has helped some of my clients recover from chronic fatigue and other conditions with infectious causation like Lyme's disease. The Spectrumite is controlled via Wi-Fi using a smartphone application that's both intuitive and easy to use. And the Theralumin has literally two buttons, on and off. It's very simple. You can check out both products at millennialhealthsystems.com. That's millennialhealthsystems.com. Two L's and two N's in millennial. And right now, my listeners, that's you guys, will get $100 off the Theralumin and $50 off the Spectrumite. Just mention the code biohacks to get that discount. This episode is brought to you by PrimalBlueprint.com, which I have shopped at for years. I love a number of their products, and I have two to recommend right off the bat. Number one is perhaps the condiment I recommend most often to new clients, and that is their Primal Kitchen Mayo. It's made with avocado oil and cage-free organic eggs. Best of all, it's free from soy and canola oil, which are usually genetically modified and sprayed with nasty herbicides like glyphosate. It's one of the few things I used to really miss when keeping my nutrition dialed in, and now I don't have to anymore. It's amazing. You will thank me. Primal Kitchen Mayo. The second is their dark chocolate almond bars made with grass-fed collagen, Turkish almonds, and pumpkin seeds. These are delicious and addicting. I'm a closet fat kid, so I usually buy them when I'm in a position to consume the entire 12-bar box in a matter of days, which is usually how things unfold. The collagen in these bars has been shown to reduce joint pain, improve sleep quality, support skin, hair, and nail growth, and enhance digestion. Many female clients report a more youthful appearance and fewer wrinkles. I love them, and I think you will too. So all you need to do to give them a try is go to primalblueprint.com. That's P-R-I-M-A-L-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T.com. And you can choose one of those two products, Primal Kitchen Mayo, Dark Chocolate Almond Bars, or more than a dozen other products, and Biohacking Secrets approved books, products, and recipes. It's that easy. Go to primalblueprint.com and grab some delicious, healthy food. 
Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Millennial Health Systems. Millennial Health Systems engineers innovative and practical light hacking tools for enhancing energy, detoxification, boosting immune function, improving focus, accelerating recovery, and much, much more. They are the brains behind two of my favorite light biohacks, and I've been using them for a long time now myself and with my one-on-one clients, the Theralumin and the Spectrumite. The Spectrumite utilizes frequency and color combinations delivered through 40 high-powered LEDs to increase mitochondrial function, the energy powerhouses in our cells that produce ATP, boost nitric oxide production, and encourage a state of relaxed focus. It's based on NASA research, which found this type of low-level laser therapy, abbreviated LLLT, greatly enhanced the natural wound healing process and more quickly returned patients to a pre-injury and pre-illness level of activity. It's a one-stop shop for all of your light hacking needs. I use both the Spectrumite and the Theralumin every week and consider the Theralumin a cornerstone of the programs I put together to help some of my clients recover from chronic fatigue and other conditions with infectious causation like Lyme disease. The Spectrumite is controlled via Wi-Fi using a smartphone application that's intuitive and easy to use. And the Theralumin has literally two buttons, on and off. It's very simple. You can check out both products at MillennialHealthSystems.com. That's MillennialHealthSystems.com. Two L's and two N's in Millennial. And right now, my listeners, you guys, will get $100 off the Theralumin and $50 off the Spectrumite. Just mention the special code BIOHACKS, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, to get that discount.